0: You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode, we'll explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan.
1: Much for joining me for Personal Branding Exposed. And today I am well today. I am joined by Carmen Braidwood, who has nearly 20 years of experience on TV and radio. And she's now teaching people like us that have got our own businesses how to turn up and be confident on camera so we can be our very own little TV hosts on our business. She also has her own podcast, People of Perth, and she was a virtual MC during COVID. So this lady knows what she's talking about. Hey Carmen, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Hi Megan, thanks for having me on. It's always weird being the guest. I'm so used to interviewing other people and I really, it's so funny when you hear your own bio read back to you, isn't it? It's
1: a little bit like, did I do all that? Yeah. (laughs) We just had um, this conversation before we started recording about how Carmen was actually very, very young. That's why we've got nearly two decades of experience in here.
0: That's right. I'm not about to turn 40 at all. It's um, I was actually a child the first time I got into broadcasting and walked into a radio station. Aren't I lucky to get a paid gig at, at 14?
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends, she is actually going to a birthday party this weekend, which is a 40th, and it is the 20 year anniversary of her 20th birthday is what she's mm-hmm. calling it.
0: Yeah, that's really smart. I love it. People enjoy it.
1: You? And that's 100%. The one enjoy it. <laughs> so, Carmen, tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up on TV and radio. So, I want to go back a little bit further. When you were in school, where, where, what did you want to do? oh
0: um oh you know what i didn't know what i wanted to do i was one of those typical teenage girls who was in her own little bubble and all i really liked was getting you know good marks at school and uh doing as i was told and doing drama and singing and things like that i had that kind of theatrical bent i suppose and um and i remember sitting in voc ed uh vocational education uh in year 10 and my friends are the ones actually said to me oh you should be a newsreader and I remember going oh yeah that sounds all right you know this was yeah, you would suit that And I was like, okay and it was interesting probably it was the first time I ever got any understanding of what other people saw me as you know that's um and I think other people probably feel that way too and that's a big branding exercise isn't it to try and kind of think about how other people would describe you and and so yeah I didn't really pursue news there and then It wasn't until I was probably uh, 18 or 19 years old in university at the University of Western Australia, I was studying arts, I was still doing my drama, I was doing four or five different productions at an amateur level uh, at a time, you know, in in, uh, in the theatre scene and I was doing a bit of work as a, um, as a casual performer. So I'd go and present things like the Constable Care Puppet Show at schools and uh, those sorts of gigs. I also had a gig uh, hosting murder mystery parties and I heard an ad on the radio for radio school and I sort of went, oh, that sounds fun. And that was pretty much how I decided to do everything until that day. You know, I really was like, that sounds fun. I'd like to do that with my time. So I thought, why don't I go and audition for this radio school? I got in, I needed three grand or something to pay for it. So I quit uni for six months and worked at Constable Care full time, hosting puppet shows to save the cash to pay for it myself. And unlike my uni degree, which was, you know, I, it took me 20 years to pay off, that one I paid for myself. And I've always felt really proud that I did that at sort of 19, 20 years old, earned the money, got myself into the course, and it literally changed my life. I, I didn't do I think I've done one theatre production since then, you know, and and I just immersed myself. I'm a bit of an all or nothing kind of a person. I've learned about myself since then. And yeah, I did pretty much nothing but radio for 15 years after that with a bit of TV on the side. And yeah, it's been a really tremendously rewarding career. I've loved every second of it. Fantastic. Um, All I heard was murder mystery parties and I thought
1: that sounds awesome.
0: (laughs) And again, that sounds like fun. It was. It really was a fun job. A Saturday nights while I was at uni, was spent driving around to par- private parties or to corporate Christmas parties. You know, this time of year, you'd turn up in a in a cowboy uniform or a, a some other costume. I had a few character names, like because my name's Carmen, it was quite easy to play with. You know, so I had Carmen. Get it as my um my cowgirl name, and uh, you'd put on a terrible. You know american accent yeah. <laughs> you know how bad aussies are at doing accents um uh, there was a, a character that i did for a it's like a 70s maybe like a a love child kind of character for a, a time travel party and uh, her name was carmen sutra so yeah, yeah. it was Clarty. <laughs>
1: What an experience, though. And that's what this show is all about is basically personal branding exposed is about exposing what builds your brand. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's a a big part of your making. And also, $3,000 I mean, for most of us now, maybe doesn't sound like a massive investment into a course or for our education. But when you're 19, 20, not 100% sure where you're going to go or where your next paycheck is. You know, you probably weren't making massive amounts of money of being Carmen Zutra, but you know, (laughs) yeah, it shows that that's obviously something you were so passionate about that it was worth working hard for to get into.
0: Yeah, I think I actually surprised my parents at the time. You know, I, I think they were a little dismayed that I came to them, you know, midway through my arts degree uh, that I, you know, had the government pay for using HELP. And, I, of course, I had to pay it back. It's now called HELP. It's, it used to be called HEX, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I deferred payment for that. So, lucky for Mum and Dad, they didn't have to foot up the bill. I think they kind of knew that I might change my mind somewhere along the way. Um, and then I sort of turned around and said, oh, now I want to do school. And that's what we're not paying for. That you can figure it out. And I think he was pretty stunned when I managed to save the money, actually, because I've always liked shoes and you know, clothes and all those kinds of things. And I, yeah, really tightened the belt made sure I put money away, uh, worked really, really hard full-time and I still finished my degree too. It was really important to me after I came out of radio school and it it did upset a couple of potential employers. I remember getting offered jobs in regional Australia straight out of radio school and I said, "Nah, look, I'm going to, stay in Perth, finish my degree. And that turned out to be a good thing because while I was finishing my degree, I started working at 6PR as a producer. I did some casual shifts um, on afternoons as a music announcer down at Coast FM in Mandra, You know, so all stuff that was close to home. I was still able to get my radio experience up and a few runs on the board, but I was also able to finish that degree. And, you know, whilst I haven't had um, that kind of a professional career, I suppose, um, it's really nice to know I've got that degree there. And if I wanna go and do a master's or some other kind of post grad, that's always gonna be an option. And yeah, I'm not ruling anything out. You work a long time. You work a really long time.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, if this year's taught us anything, it's how unpredictable things are and how you've got to adapt just like that which brings me back to and i want to come back to your tv and radio career as well but during covid you did adapt and you did some MCing virtually can you talk us through what that was like for you
0: yeah oh, well, look, I've always hosted events as I mentioned that that murder mystery party and even the puppeteering, you'd be out the front talking to kids and engaging a crowd. And so I've been a, an MC or an event host longer than I've been a broadcaster. So a large part of the way that I've earned my income is through hosting corporate events live in person uh, and also fabulous balls and galas and things like that. And so of course all of those were suddenly cancelled uh as soon as the pandemic hit so uh we had that shock where like nothing was going on and then gradually we started to go okay well what are our alternatives you know and i'd barely even used programs like zoom before the pandemic and then wow all of a sudden we're like okay we can do this and we also used it to to coordinate the radio show you know i i'm i'm in a high risk category with autoimmune illnesses so uh, my doc didn't want me going into work so i worked from here in my lounge room and i got really familiar with zoom and i started to go well we can still host these live events that we're booked to do there were networking events there was a um, a, three, a couple of other speakers I got together with and we hosted an event called What If. You know, we, we were still able to do them through the power of the Zoom room. And and the cool thing is that um, using all kinds of video technology, uh, including Facebook Live and and Teams, you know, we were all able to, to play on and to c- continue networking. But then I was also able to develop a business out of it too. So it kind of, it had this wonderful effect. It was really good.
1: It's interesting because you and I have very similar stories in the sense that events are where we started, but I was on the back end of the events. I love organizing them and bringing all the pieces together, and if you had asked me to be... Front emceeing or out front being the face of it, that mm. used to be a massive um, no no for me. Yeah. And my my last event just before COVID hit was meant to be the Rural Women's Awards for the Triple R Network, which yeah. should have be been a government house. And we brought that online to be virtual with yeah. Di Darmody from the ABC. But yeah, that was, um, that was an experience. So I can. I mean, from the back end, making sure that the logistics worked was stressful enough. I can only imagine being at the front and being the face of that, how that must have been for you.
0: Well, well the funny thing about it, I guess, is that that lack of feedback from the audience that you really feed off of when you're a live event host. I guess I was very lucky coming from a broadcasting background that I was able to go, well, it's no different to a TV studio, it's no different to a radio studio, you're not getting any immediate feedback, and so I was able to kind of channel some of that, but it it was still there were still moments, you know. I hosted a couple of webinars um, to teach people to feel confident on camera. After I realised there was a bit of a gap there yeah. in that knowledge base for people, and um, and it, it took me a couple of tries to just get used to that lack of feedback. You know, even in a in a, in a this this kind of circumstance, we're chatting to each other in, and, and any other video call, you're still seeing somebody else, and you can generally rely on that human interaction. But once you're into webinar format, so you're hosting events as such people are just sort of sitting back and you're not seeing their faces you're getting very little feedback from them and and that can really take the wind out of your sails (laughs) and make you quite nervous you know quite are they really there and you're sort of trying to do a bunch of other things at the same time but gosh it um it teaches you to think on your feet that oh,
1: one. yeah. <laughs> I hear you on the feedback part, because yeah. before COVID, I was going out and doing LinkedIn training in businesses. And then during COVID, it was all virtual. And you yeah. can because you can't get behind someone and actually look at the profile and help them. But it just was a bit like, are, are you taking it in? Are you interested? Because it's so mm-hmm. easy in your webinar to switch off you know that as a consumer yourself so mm-hmm. trying to find ways to be engaging can you give some tips to some of the people listening about how you can be engaging on camera when you really don't have an audience there because um, I'm talking more long form we'll talk more about the short and sweet that you need to like your content yeah. you're creating. but you know that long form where you're teaching and you're actually in a room per se with people what's some tips for keeping yourself motivated.
0: Oh, so in, in a camera setting though, where you're actually engaging with the camera? Yeah. For for the, that kind of teaching, oh, it's yourself and the other people, isn't it? You know, um, I think the time, you know, the amount of time you spend in any kind of online learning situation is really worth taking into account. We've only got a forty-five minute attention span, I would say most of us at best. And that's that's limited even further when the dog might be in the room and your partner might be wandering past or the kids, you know, are asking for lunch. You know, there's just so many other distractions when you're working from home. So I think keeping that in mind is really important. Keep things short and sharp to the point. But then um, energy, the same as we have to do as broadcasters, you know, uh it's it's gotta be 10 to 50 percent more. Than usual, and then the lens of the camera. That eye contact is just imperative. It's totally unnatural and looking. I'd love to just stare at myself as a vain woman, or stare into your eyes as a person who wants to try and connect with you. But realistically, if I want to connect with the viewer, looking into the camera is so much more impactful. Feels a bit unnatural at your end, but if you get, you know, kind of into a phase of practicing it more and more often, you're going to get more comfortable, and you know. You can kind of, you can find tricks. My, my number one trick is pretending that that lens is the eyes of someone that you really like. And that will just help relax you. You know, think about your mom, think about your partner, think about your best friend. It'll just change the way you engage with that lens. And suddenly when you're more human, the people on the other end really relate to that. You know, perfection is a problem. Let's just lose that. You know, I'm a big fan of that lose your connection to perfection saying because real people are not perfect and if you're in a room physically with somebody running a workshop you'd be really friendly and engaging and there'd be trip ups and mistakes there's nothing wrong with that and just because there's a camera there doesn't mean it suddenly has to be the seven o'clock news or the six o'clock news wherever you might happen to be you know you don't have to have this pristine perfect presentation instead i'd, I'd much prefer to see you you know engage like a real person
1: Hundred percent, and I've heard you say that quite a lot on Instagram and your your um, IGTVs and your stories and stuff. And you've got a couple of good examples that I've seen that I just want to tell the listeners about. Which um, you were making a video and your children came home and with some friends, and you just kept going because um, I think you made the point that you know there's never a perfect setting; things around you will never be perfect. And the other one you did was you were outside and you were doing everything that goes against what you basically get told which is you know it's too windy you're walking yeah. you're outside your hair's not done whatever it is mm. and it again is just show up I'm, I'm a big believer in done is better than perfect so
0: yeah yeah and I really had to let go of some of that kind of connection to perfection that we have in the broadcasting space in order to move forward with this during the pandemic. I had, um, I've had, i worked with a coach who's really helped me uh, just say, just get on with it. You know, I was sort of setting up all of these boundaries around myself um, probably due to a bit of imposter syndrome as well, thinking, you know, if my, my media colleagues see me on camera and the, the sound's not quite right and the lighting's dodgy, it's going to be so embarrassing. But. You know, this content isn't for them. This content that I'm preparing now in a, in a, you know, a virtual setting is for people who want to generate the ability to speak and be themselves on camera. You know, I don't need to make this for the readers of the news each night or for the people I work with at 6PR. They already know this stuff. You know, this content is for people who are running businesses on their own and sitting there thinking, how am I going to stand out from the pack? How am I going to connect with an audience that I can't even see, you know? And tips that we use as broadcasters will actually help you.
1: Yeah, I, I totally hear you on that because that's something that I I think that's a conversation I have nearly every week with clients is stop worrying about your peers. You are not creating content for them. You're creating for content for the people you can actually help. And that's how we get we, that's how we trip ourselves up because we're so worried about what friends and family and others that are, you know, our peers and people doing what we're doing, what they're going to think. So mm-hmm. I love that point. That's brilliant. The mm-hmm. other thing I was going to ask you about is that, you know, you've obviously been highly trained going through your radio school and you've been on TV, etc. So you're picking up some, you know, you've got great skills for actually being on TV. How have you managed to... I, I don't want to say dumb it down because it's not dumbing it down at all, but make it uh, palatable for Joe Blogs like myself who is not, you know, used to being in front of a camera. You know, my dad's video recorder when I was a kid doesn't really count. I don't think in this situation,
0: <laughs> maybe. Well, I think it really does come down to simplifying. You know, you've really got to break it down the same way your teacher did in school when you're learning long division, you know, just really pair it back to the bare basics. And that's been a little refinement process. Um, It's been trial and error too. You know, the first person I taught to present to camera was my husband. You know, we started dating nearly 10 years ago and he asked me if I could teach him to do what I do. And I thought, well, why? You're a chiropractor. You don't need to present to camera. And he was the one who said, oh, Oh, but no I'd really like to be there for my patients when they're not in my clinic I'd like them to be able to access a bit of my expertise you know and so he's been making since then you know videos with stretches and videos with a how to set up your your workspace uh, or your kitchen so you don't hurt your back you know this is stuff that keeps him available and accessible to his patients and his business has grown as a result of it so I learned tricks and things that kind of resonated with him in the process you know even things as simple as kind of like drawing a smiley face and a piece of paper and cutting a hole out in the middle of it and putting it over the lens of the camera just so he has something to engage with you know and and I also learned from teaching him that practice you know just doing it is the key um, and, it, and if you're not ready to do it and put it out there in public just start practicing presenting to camera anywhere you know hold up selfie style just tell me what you're having for breakfast just just tell me something
1: yeah just get started oh yeah you've got to start doing the rubbish ones because six months yeah. time is when you've the good ones but if you start in six months that's when the rubbish ones start so yeah just get exactly. started.
0: Yeah, just getting comfortable. Like I said, being uncomfortable, thinking on your feet, talking yourself out of those awful circles we get into sometimes, you know, by pretending you're live. And that's why radio broadcasters are very lucky. You know, uh, know, the, the 20 years that I've been working in radio and television, mostly been in radio. And so most of the time I have to get on and no matter what happens, just get on with it. You know, you can be going live to air for a talkback shift and the entire radio station stops working or the studio you're in stops working and you're you know you've got to pick up everything move studios and there's just dead air while you're waiting to get everything together you know you don't you don't overreact you don't throw a tantrum because that's not going to help anybody it's just about using this like you would in your business to handle the situation and move on and and that's that's a learned skill you know i didn't didn't walk into radio stations knowing how to do that i had to practice and the same as you know you would have had to practice doing the work that you do you've got to learn to practice and and, and learn and practice this new skill too oh i 100 believe that
1: anyone can do it because if you were to ask my english school teacher if i could speak in public she would tell you no because I remember standing up in front of the class with all my notes for my speech I was meant to do and had to sit back down because I just couldn't deliver it. Same happened in university, Um, same happened when I was here and when I started building my career and I would get asked to speak, I would do everything I could to pass it on to someone else. Happy to write scripts, happy to tell people exactly what they had to do, but you could not get me to do it for love nor money. And when I started my business, I it's like something switched, and I, was, I I just basically decided that if I don't step up and I don't speak for my business, no one else will. No one, no one else
0: here. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, and people often say, "Oh, you know, uh, you're not afraid to to push, you know, to plug yourself and talk about what you're doing." I think, well. What a good rule of thumb, like, don't be afraid to talk about what you're doing, tell the world about it, because no other person is going to do it for you. You're the person who knows it best, Uh, you know the story behind it, you know the reason, you know your why, you know, don't trust someone else to tell your story, get out there and start telling it yourself. 100%, I'm with you on all of that. Carmen, tell me a bit about how you
1: transitioned from radio to TV, because that's a very different medium. Like my podcast started as Zoom recordings, which um, I could then do something with, which was much easier, now we're live. So this is um, a next level as far as I'm concerned, and there's video as well as sound. Um, How did you transition? Because that seems massive to me.
0: Yeah, look, it was something I was always heavily interested interested in, so I did a lot of you know watching other people and working out their their tricks of the trade. Um, but I guess I guess I looked for areas where the skills were transferable, and to me, the best radio broadcasters have in common with the best television broadcasters um, this one factor, and that is that they are authentic. You know, they are themselves on screen and so for me it was really important to not just start nailing my lines you know working in pre-recorded television formats that i went to work in so on um generally i've done mostly travel and lifestyle television shows um a little bit of live stuff um, but you know, going to that format, I had to kind of find a way to internalize all of these lines and and uh, scripts that weren't necessarily my own. You know, I was going off to to help promote a, a part of Western Australia that I might have some passion for, or I may never have heard of it before, and I needed to try and make it sound like I believed in it. And to me, you don't want to be putting anything on camera um, or out there into the world that doesn't doesn't align with you that isn't who you are and so and i would never get away with it on radio you know i've always said doing you know 15 hours of radio a week uh, on a breakfast radio show you've got no time to be a bull artist you know you really I don't careful not to swear I'm at home I'm feeling hyper relaxed um you know so, you know you can't you can't fake that stuff and so for me anytime I was talking about something that I didn't already know about I was making sure I was really heavily researched and and found a way to really connect with it myself you know find a, a common way to get into anything that I was talking about on camera so that was that really helped um, but then I also just had to ask questions and learn and admit that this wasn't my field you know i didn't do television at at university and i didn't ta- go to television school i went to radio school and so i looked for the differences and tried to understand them you know and um you know there's so much great expertise in perth in the in the um television broadcasting world so i just everywhere i went i asked questions i asked um you know why is that light in that position uh, what sort of camera is that um how are you setting up this job what do you need from me to make it work better you know actually asking the other professionals around you how you can make their job easier I think is really important and uh, that's been a really important part of how I've been able to help other people to now in this new kind of incarnation of what I'm doing so I guess that's how I transitioned to it um, and practicing a lot on my own in the car I would just practice my lines over and over again so that you knew what you needed to say but then found a way to make it sound like Carmen saying it. And that's not easy. That's the bit that takes the time, you know, and I, I feel like I've really gotten better at that in the last five years than I probably ever was, you know. There's there's probably some really old footage around of me just sounding like a robot on television and yeah (laughs) we'll just try and hide that somewhere. (laughs) That's
1: so funny because I I talk about building a personal brand all the time is you know authenticity and we all hate the word authenticity because it's Mm. so overused but it is the most authentic word for what we're trying to talk about. Um, You think it's like real instead I suppose. (laughs) Yeah it's going to be real and um you know, it's not about building something that's false because I don't create actors or actresses. I don't do that. I help you create the brand that you already have and kind of put it on a platform, etc. But um just when you were talking about, you know, learning my lines and making it more Carmen, it just reminded me of just what I was saying to you earlier about how I was quite happy to write scripts for people and tell them what they had to do on stage or behind camera or in front yeah. of camera, sorry. And I had a president when I was at WA Farmers who I would would write scripts for mm. and sometimes if it was something he wasn't well versed and he didn't know it inside out he would go up and he would sound like me on stage he would use my words you know mm. like I use awesome a lot whereas this farmer in his 50s that was not or maybe in his <laughs> that's this- wrong. This was not his lexicon this was not how he spoke so it just sounded odd but as soon as like he was just using my notes um as you know and he was kind of ad-libbing around it and he came to life he was an amazing speaker he was so good um but when he wasn't hadn't done the research or hadn't bothered to look at the lines before and was just reading off notes he just sounded like it was like i was standing up there but with a mustache
0: and uh, for (laughs) years And that's why even though on produced television we do use a lot of scripting because often there's all these other partners involved and we've got to keep those people happy and keep them informed about what's going on and and you need a big plan because you've got all these different moving parts. When I'm talking confidence on camera with my one-on-one clients and in my group, it's all about getting away from scripts. You just want a mental dot list, a dot point list, and not even a written one, The sooner you can get away from writing anything down and just think to yourself, right, what's the journey of what I'm about to say, and then piece it together with your language, the better, you know, um, auto cues and things like that. They are great. And they're good if you do need to remember really specific uh, technological or, you know, technical detail that you need to inform people about maybe on a course. But if you can, don't use an auto cue, you know, like there are newsreaders who don't know how to use auto cue. You see the eyes moving along as they're reading it. You know, So why would you expect yourself to be out of a master in auto cue, you know, the day you download the program? It's hard. It's really hard to use and it's really hard to make it seem natural. The ones that do a good job of it are people on breakfast television you know watch them and and you can see that they're working from scripted elements but they're making it themselves and it might be that they've had an opportunity to edit and put it into their own language um and if you do have to work from a script exactly make sure you take a chance to revise it make it megan's language make it dot points even better if you possibly can or just memorize the journey and the best tip for memorizing that journey what you're going to talk about is the rule of threes everything's easier to remember in threes and it's also so much easier to digest as an audience you know I don't want to be read a shopping list to by anybody you could be the most qualified you know if Roger Federer was in the room and he read me a shopping list of 52 ways to be the best tennis player in the world you'd still fall asleep you know it wouldn't be enough that he's Roger Federer you know you'd get bored so imagine you're the, the CEO of a company and you come in and read me 52 things. You've, got, you've lost me at number one. So I'd much rather hear three great, you know, sensational things you've been able to deliver that you can dangle in front of me that you are genuinely passionate about than be read a list of things that I could have read myself.
1: Yep, 100%. And like you said earlier, our attention span just won't allow us to, to go past that either.
0: No. and. You know, the the connection is the thing. You know, I I just can't stress enough how powerful it is when you see a person on stage or you see them in in a a virtual presentation, actually caring, you know, actually engaging with what they're talking to you about. Passion for me is what sells. If somebody clearly loves what they do, you know, Roger Federer example again, Roger Federer, if you did bring him in to talk about what makes him want to play tennis every day, would be this most incredibly passionate passionate speaker and it would work, you know, because he would just say to you something probably quite profound about how it makes him feel. And that's the more important thing than the hitting the ball at this angle and making sure that your hand doesn't twist. You know, that's, that's not for now you know the the opportunity on camera is to engage people connect with them and and that's what we do on radio shows it's the same thing you know when we're, we're not looking for um but they to inform and entertain and the same applies for on-camera presentations
1: Brilliant. I love it, Carmen. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and I want to talk about your podcast, the
1: People of Perth podcast. How did that come about? And I'm not even going to ask you um, about it because we all know that you're a radio expert. You know how to um, put all these things together. So that's obviously been um, kind of crucial to bringing together such a sort of schmick. I would call it a schmick podcast because I do listen to it and it's very nice. But tell me more about the why. Tell me how it started Mm -hmm. and where you're going with it.
0: Well, it it all started with, uh, well, when I finished working at 96FM here in Perth, our show was axed, I was sacked, I had no job anymore, but I had this wonderful following on Facebook of people who'd found me through the radio show. So I thought, I'm just going to, like, put them in a group on Facebook. And and because I'd worked all over Australia, I was like, well, they're the Perth people, and I'd always like that term kind of Perthlings, you know. So I kind of called the group Perthling, and I was like, hey, you guys, and I just kind of started posting to these people because I was a bit kind of bored. I'd taken myself off to Melbourne, just to kind of defrag for a bit after the show finished and just think about what I wanted to do. I had a few meetings and I just started posting to them various things. And I said, well, why don't you just start using this to share cool things are going on where you live? bit of a you know community notice board because people always you know through the radio show was sending me i don't know i've got this christmas carol event and can you promote my dog show and all that kind of thing and i was like well the stuff that didn't make it on radio you could put it into this group and so Perthland kind of evolved and and grew and i would get competitions from all my publicist mates that i've worked with in radio over the years and give away movie tickets and show tickets and um it grew into this really nice Engaged community of about 6,000 people over the last two years or those those two years and about uh, November last year I said, oh, let's do something with this and I just said I just want to start hearing your stories Who are the people of Perkling? Can you just fill out this web form? Tell me about your life and we'll do some interviews and see where it goes So I started recording interviews last year and then the pandemic hit (laughs) and I didn't get to finish them and of course I had to get Kind of busy with working out a new income because i wasn't hosting mc events anymore and i wasn't doing live workshops anymore the tv had stopped shooting and i was very lucky to still have a radio job at that stage so i sort of had to focus on that and work out something for my business so that the whole podcast thing ran away but my plan had been that to use all these beautiful little interviews with ordinary people who've lived these extraordinary lives and piece them together like those awesome podcasts that we hear coming out of the united states like Serial and s town and all the uh this american life you know they just do a really great job of of weaving stories together you know and and that's what i just wanted to play with i just wanted to experiment in a new medium uh, it wasn't happening, and so come about. I guess it was oh, it would have been June, July this year. I was like, wow, it's going to be a year since I started this project, and that's not me. I hate having things like that hanging over me. And so I partnered up with a great producer who I met for the first time at 96 FM actually, when he was coming onto the scene as a as a young broadcaster. Before he went off and worked at the BBC, he came and did work experience at 96 FM. He was back in Perth, and I was like, Kyle you have a production company can we make this podcast happen so i have to give props to Carl brown of uh of bad Bard productions he's done an amazing job just taking my little idea and and nine unedited interviews where i've gone there was this moment when chris said this thing about his partner it was so good and can you take this i want a theme about love and i want a theme about you know mental health i want to talk about this and about life in perth i just want it to be you know People mushed together, and he's birthed these incredible podcasts. Um, tomorrow night we'll have a new episode, and uh, he does just an amazing job of piecing them together. I sit in the studio, voice a few little linking lines and things, but it's really—it's really about the people. They're just—they're—they're they're normal people, and they have great stories because everyone's got a good story.
1: Oh, I loved it. Um, because I found it very relatable because I've I've only been in Perth for oh, eight and a half, eight and a half years now. And um it was great for me to hear stories from people that had obviously grown up here, had been here decades, um, and hearing what Perth had been like and hearing from people that were similar to me who were, you know, basically fresh off the boat and had to restart their lives over here, etc. Um There
0: were so many, you know, there were so many from many, many different countries too, weren't there? You know, within yeah. that group of nine there was probably four or five of them uh were people who weren't born in Australia and I just loved that about it
1: yeah I thought it was great I loved it I thought it was um Oh, I, I enjoy it. So I think it's really nice to actually hear from the people locally because we don't have, you know, we think when we want to interview people or we think of people that are over east or in America
0: and the big names and stuff, but Perth's got some pretty awesome people right here. That's right. And you needn't even go to the big names of Perth. You know, I felt like, and I've got a lot of friends who do some lovely podcasts Um, and all respect to them, they do wonderful work, but I felt like every podcast I was listening to about Perth had interviews with all the same people. I was like, I am go see these people speak at the next conference I host like that there people uh, there's just this kind of circuit of speakers that were just getting trotted out again and again and again and they're wonderful but I've already heard those stories you know what about the stories of your next-door neighbor you know and if we just took the time to ask where did your family come from Or, you know, uh, what was it like when you went to school? Or, you know, is this the career you always wanted? Just ask those questions that we don't normally ask. It's amazing. It's amazing the stories people have for you.
1: Well, I think this um, speaks testament to how strong and an authentic personal brand you have because you've created an audience because of the platform you had on radio, which is a platform that most of us won't have. We we aren't able to get on TV and radio and that's fine. But it's what you do with that audience afterwards. Do you neglect it or do you cultivate it and do something with it and celebrate it like you have? Or do you think that you're above it and you're they're not your people? Like it's, right. you know, you I think- Without those people. You
0: know, at the end of the day, the connection that you can make through a radio is still the thing that just gets me going. I just yeah. can't get over how intimate and immediate the audible platforms are, you know, and and we're going to evolve, and it'll be more podcasting, it'll be more digital platforms, and radio will do more in a digital platform too. You know, radio is not dying, uh, and neither is the traditional television media. It's just changing. It's just got to go through a thing where we channel the same content makers into making a lot more content and bringing more people into the industry you know and that's only going to happen with passion you know you just can't create that kind of connection that really one-on-one like you you just feel like a person on radio is talking to you directly and that's powerful you know you you don't get that with tv either you know totally
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think audio is um really powerful. I mean, I guess that's why so many, you know, call center staff get stalkers, etc. Because people fall in love with their voices. Like it's a thing. It's true.
0: Yeah. It's and so intimate. And that's it. If you think um and if you are, you know, cultivating an audience through social media following, you do only have you'd only have what you have with those with those people. You know, the people that you connect with are the most important part of it. You know, to think that that you ever get to a stage where you don't need to answer their messages and you don't need to, to like their comments or or re- respond to them, you know, that's, that's just dangerous territory. It really is, you know. Yeah fail to engage and connect with other humans on this planet at your own peril, in my opinion. Yep. Um, my biggest problem, and I think it'll be everyone's biggest problem, is the multitude
1: of different channels. So your LinkedIn messages, your Instagram messages, your Facebook messages, your emails, your text messages. I, <laughs> so yes.
0: We're so accessible now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And it, it's intrusive. And I guess it's about deciding where your audience are, I guess. that's a, That's been my kind of approach to date. I know I need to do lots more work on LinkedIn, but I guess I'm honest with people too. When I do encounter people on LinkedIn, and maybe I've even said this to you at some stage, I was like, wow, so sorry that message sat there for a while. I'm just not as engaged with LinkedIn yet, but I'm working on it, so forgive me. How can I help you? You know, kind of... Just being honest. <laughs> the, acknowledge the, the, it. Yeah, Acknowledge it. You know, um, I think if, if you're still a one-man band like I am, it's kind of like, well, all right, Instagram and Facebook and my things for now, once I've figured that out, I'm going to really ramp up LinkedIn. You probably have other opinions on this entirely because it's your space. But that's... Kind of how I'm playing at the minute. Is that a good idea? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Oh Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, that's what I recommend for all of my clients is find mm-hmm. a platform and do it well rather than like, trickling out on all of them. The only reason I'm on all of them is because I have to trial and error them because I have mm-hmm. clients that want to be on TikTok. I have clients that want to be on LinkedIn, ones that just want um, email sequences, ones that want to be a TEDx speaker, so they're not really interested on social media per se. And it yeah. depends where their audience is, what it is they're trying to achieve. But yeah, you can't be everything to everyone. So yeah.
0: And and that applies to brand too and to putting yourself out there through video content. You know, I just think that's really important to remember. None of us is for everybody. There will be some people who don't like you and and we get quite comfortable with that as radio presenters. You know, we get an email probably every shift going, oh, that Carmen girl, hate her voice. Will she just shut up? just so opinionated, whatever it is. You know, like, not everyone's going to like you. And that's yeah. okay. You know, um, and, it, and once you give yourself permission to accept that not everyone's going to like you, it's so freeing. You can just relax and stop pretending to be someone else and just deep dive into you. and actually, the more that you do
1: stuff like this, which is uncomfortable, videos, audio, whatever it is that you do, and people are so worried about putting other people off and not attracting this group of people over in the right-hand corner, when really the people in the left-hand corner are the only ones that you can actually help, the only ones that are interested in you. Just to focus on them but we get yeah. so caught up on oh what if people don't like yeah. it if they don't like it you're actually getting rid of them before they've yeah. even wasted
0: your time that's right. don't take that call you know like, yeah. how good is it to know that the calls you're going to get are from people who already like you and, and, and they, may, they may even like more than like you. They may really genuinely already want to work with you. And they just now need to know the finer details of how they get on board. You know, it's, it's just it's really cool. It's really cool that you can. And, oh, and the other thing I think I want to add to that is don't forget there's plenty of work. You know, there's plenty of people out there. Um, when you're selling expertise, as you and I both are, you know, you're selling air essentially, same as radio ads. You know, like it is a similar kind of thing. When you're selling something that people can't actually grip onto and hold, um, you really need to just remember that the ones who you want to work with, you only have time to work with this many of them. Don't worry about all the other ones. They can work with somebody else. Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. And when you build your personal brand, you actually start thinking of it in the sense that you don't have any competition. There are lots of people that do what you do, but no one will ever be you. No one will ever have the same journey to doing what it is you do. So it's a different experience,
0: different knowledge, different networks, all of that. So you have no competition. You really don't. It's a really nice way... To free yourself of that fear of the competitor too, you know, and I work in an industry where it's very very easy uh, In the media to to con- compare yourself to the other chick on the other radio show, you know Because it feels like there's just one chick on any radio station apparently um, you know It's very very competitive little world and a crazy bubble that we're in but at the end of the day We're all so different and that you needn't worry about that. You know, the the job that suits one person won't suit another person. And the same applies to business. You know, the the gigs that are out there, the opportunities, the leads. You know, you you only want the ones that suit you. Don't and just let and let your competitor go and look after the other ones. Why be hundred percent? I don't just want to be that busy. I say bye love- bye to it. <laughs> I like walking my dog, I like going to the beach occasionally, and I do like going to bed really early, so um, you're very lucky that you got me to stay up this late.
1: (laughs) I know, I'm super lucky I've got you up this late, and I had someone up at 4am a a few weeks ago. You.
0: Wow, you're, you're making waves, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: it's, you know, it's a personal branding expose, it's kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> Hopefully it will be one day. Um, no, so I really appreciate your time this evening and I'm gonna I'm let gonna you get way, off to by the way. <laughs> and I'm gonna let you go and wind down for the night but before you go, I have put your Instagram link into the show notes or into the um, social media channels at the moment. Tell people who are listening where they can quickly find you, what what do they have to do to find you?
0: Well, I guess the easiest way is to search uh, Carmen Confidence on Camera Coach and it should come up because um, I always find my name's really hard for people to spell or sort of hear. Car, man, braid, wood. It's four little words. One car, two men, braid, like hair and wood, as in wood. Knock on it.
1: <laughs> I love That's- that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I
0: It's on there. I'm on the gram. I'm on Facebook too.
1: You're everywhere. And do you work with people internationally as well? So if there's people on the other side of the pond, you're you're there?
0: I'd love to. Absolutely. So the minute I have a client in New Zealand, allowing me to proudly say that I'm the Southern Hemisphere's confidence on camera coach. (laughs) But
1: no. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) So I'm like, woohoo, we're international. I'm absolutely open to working with people wherever they may be all over the world, if we can coordinate the timing.
1: Yeah. Yes, and it's not too late for you. We'll sort yeah, no,
0: that out. I still, I still live breakfast radio hours. I get out of bed at about quarter to five these days. My husband complains that I wake him up when I get up. I said, well, that makes up for the fact that you wake me up when you come to bed because he stays up later. So, yeah, I'm open to working first thing in the morning with somebody who might be over on the other side of the pond
1: fantastic thank you so much for all of your tips and tricks tonight it's really helpful and um, hopefully it is for other people too and um, the podcast will be out tomorrow if anyone wants to listen again and then we'll have a blog post that'll come out in a couple of weeks time as well so we can read all about it all of carmen's details will be in the blog post and in the show notes and you can catch up with her on instagram thanks everyone thank you thanks so much for listening to personal branding exposed if you enjoyed this episode or any of the others then please listen to some more but also share it with your friends and leave a review i'm a pretty new podcast so that means quite a lot for me and i really appreciate your kind words social media if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin they're where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch thank you so much for getting this far if you want a little bit more though these episodes actually go out live every tuesday at 8 p.m western standard time here in western australia at 8 p.m which if you're in canada or america that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can listen over your morning coffee and if you're in the uk it'll be over your lunch break I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them, we hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there there's loads you can take from this lots of uh, motivation and inspiration like these people are awesome and they really niche down they know what it is that they're doing so there's so much to take away from them i have got this amazing lineup of people coming up so make sure it's in your diary 8 p.m western standard time and the podcast drops every wednesday till next time